A tendency that just comes so natural to us all is to praise ourselves. To talk about ourselves bringing attention and honor onto us, to brag about our accomplishments, to put forth in a conversation something that we've done that we really think is praiseworthy. And even I think, if you're aware of this, uh, we even get pretty good at slipping it in where we don't think it will come across as prideful or proud or bragging. We, we get pretty good at, at putting forth what we think uh, about ourselves is praiseworthy. Even if you think about your thought life, we tend to praise ourselves in our thoughts. If, if you just took time to really pay attention to your thoughts and the things you think about and the things you think about yourself, we often have thoughts that we think we're pretty amazing how accomplished, how good at something we are. We tend to praise our looks, our abilities, our skills in our thoughts. It just comes so natural as sinful human beings to praise ourselves. This evening we come to a verse in our Memorable Verses series that a portion of it, I would say, is pretty popular. You probably have heard, I would say, probably just a, a portion of it. It's a portion uh, that... Not everyone, but I, I think some tr use to try to boost their self-esteem. It can be used to make us feel amazing, beautiful, unique, special. This portion is, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And the unfortunate part about the fact that this is the popular or this is the well-known part uh, is that it completely misses the point uh, how people usually take this it completely misses the point that the whole verse is trying to get across. As I said, this portion of the verse is, is pretty popular. You've probably seen it on t-shirts, you've seen it maybe on stickers, or you've heard it on Christian radio. And I wonder if we have heard this phrase so often that we didn't even realize that there's more to this verse. Okay, this isn't all that is in uh, the verse that we're going to look at tonight. There's actually more to it on both sides. There, there's something that comes before I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and there's something that comes after this, this portion that is pretty popular. Okay, the whole verse is this, and this is the verse we're going to be considering this evening. Psalm 139, verse 14 says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. So as we consider Psalm 139, verse 14, our theme will be this. Psalm 139, verse 14, is a verse not about you, but the one who made you. Okay, our verse for this evening, our memorable verse, is a verse that is not about us, but it is about the one who has made us. That is who it is all about. So what I want us to look at this evening is several ways that we find that this is a verse that is about God and not us. We'll take apart this verse to see how each part really magnifies God rather than us. We will find in this verse that this verse brings praise not to us, as we began thinking about, but rather it brings praise to God. So as I started out thinking, I'm not saying everyone who wears a t-shirt with this, this phrase, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, I'm not saying that you view this verse this way, but even in my study, I saw that oftentimes this, this portion, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, is, is used um, in teaching or, or at conferences to, to try and just boost self-esteem, not to talk about God at all, but really to put the emphasis, to put the focus on us. And I think we can easily start to think that way uh, if we take the verse just 
like that. So the first thing I want us to consider this evening as, as we consider this theme, that this is a verse not about us, but God, is I want us to look at the whole psalm, um, or we won't look at the whole psalm, but I want us to consider the whole psalm that this verse is, with, is found within, as Psalm 139 very much so emphasizes this, this thought that it's about God and not us in this psalm. So I want to begin big, and I want us to consider this first point, that as we think about the whole passage, our verse is found within the emphasis even of Psalm 139. Just, not just our verse, but Psalm 139 is on God and not us. Our verse tonight belongs to a great section of Scripture. It fits within a psalm that is well known, just like uh, Pastor Herb dealt with Psalm 19, verse 14, several uh, weeks and, and months ago. Uh, that was part of a, a psalm that is also well known, Psalm 19, that declares God's revelation, both general but also special revelation in, in God's scripture. And our verse tonight is found within, I think, a psalm that if, if we, and we're not going to do this just so that I don't get us off track, we're not going to read the whole psalm tonight, but if I read it, I think many portions of it would be very familiar uh, to you. So for the sake of seeing that our verse is not about us, but God, I want us to see how this is also true of Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is a psalm written by King David. So King David is writing this psalm, and it's a very personal psalm. It's him talking with God. And he's writing about God. He's, he's proclaiming what God does in relation to him. So there is definitely a part of this, this Psalm 139 in our verse that, yes, it's talking about us, but the emphasis, the focus is on God. And just to highlight uh, Psalm 139, Psalm 139, 1 through 6, it opens with David proclaiming how God knows him through and through. And I'll just give you a glimpse of this. Verse 4 of Psalm 139, David says this. He says, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Even before a word, even before he speaks a word, God knows what David is going to say. We could say that this first section of Psalm 139 speaks of God's omniscience, that God is all-knowing. The second section, Psalm 139, 7 through 12, David proclaims how God is with him at all times. Verse 7 says this, and maybe this is a familiar verse to you. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? This section proclaims God's omnipresence, that God is with David. He's with us in all places. God is in all places. The third section, and this is the, the section that our verse comes uh, in, this section, Psalm 139, 13 through 16, David proclaims how God can do amazing things. In this section, we could say that David proclaims God's omnipotence, how he's all-powerful. David goes on, Psalm 139, 17 through 18, he proclaims God's thoughts and his plans, and he says how many they are, how many thoughts, how many plans God has. And then this psalm closes in verses 19 through 24 with David speaking of his allegiance to God, but also his desire to obey God. So as we survey this whole psalm, I, I would have liked to, and I was tempted for us to read through this psalm, but I think it would have taken us off track, and I want us to keep to our one verse. But as we think about Psalm 139, the focus is on God. Sure, it's a very personal psalm for David as he speaks of how God relates to him, but the focus and the honor is on God and not David. 
God and his attributes are magnified all throughout Psalm 139. It is God who David stands in awe of and praise of and in a desire to obey all throughout. This is the mantra of Psalm 139 all throughout, and that is what we find as we zero into our verse this evening. So application. As we think about the whole psalm, I want to ask you a question, and that is how often do you think about who God is and how he relates to you. So this whole psalm is just is talking about God's attributes, who he is, what he does for David, how he relates to David. So as we think about this bird's eye view of Psalm 139, I want you just to think about how often you sit and just reflect upon who God is. We see David does this very much so. And even more true to our passage, I would ask you, how often do you do this as you pray to God? How often do you do this as you pray to God? Think, at least I think about myself, I tend to prioritize my requests when I come to God. When I pray to God, it's usually asking him for something. I'm asking him, even if it's spiritual things, um, that's what I often prioritize, my requests or other people's requests. And I want us to pay attention that in this whole psalm, David prioritizes proclaiming who God is and how God relates to him in this prayer. It's pretty much the whole thing is about declaring and proclaiming who God is. That's his priority. So not that requests are bad, not that we shouldn't bring our requests to God, but it's a thought. Do we prioritize? Do we sometimes just pray and we're proclaiming who God is? We should be challenged to do what David does. As we think about doing this, sometimes our minds can come up blank as we try to think about God. If you think about just praying to God or speaking about who God is, sometimes we have to rack our brains to really recall who God is. We could say maybe simple things or just one or two things, but sometimes we really have to think, who is God? What are his characteristics? What are his attributes? And I believe a good starting place is as we run into this is just to open up our Bibles, maybe uh, at our devotional time, at, a, at the kitchen table, maybe as we're waiting in a line, just opening up Psalm 139 and reflecting. It's a, it, one of the things I like about Psalm 139 is it's, it's easy. It's easy to understand. It's clear about who God is. We don't have to really dig super deep to understand this psalm as we read through it. So a good starting place as we think about our minds coming up blank is just looking at Psalm 139 in our Bibles to recall what David says about God and then pray to God declaring who he is. So I'd encourage you, if you tend to find your mind is blank when you try to think about who God is or what he's done, turn to a passage of scripture to remind you. Take time to really reflect on God so that, we, so that you can proclaim these things about God. It's just like if you're trying to get to know a friend, okay, you ask them and you try to find out what their characteristics are, what they've done in life. Usually you would do this by asking them questions, talking with them, hearing from their very words. How can we do this with God? We can do this from his very words. What we have in the Bible is God's very word. And building off this, just one more point of application. As we think about this theme for this evening, considering the focus not being on us, but on God, I'd ask you, could you talk about God as long as you talk about yourself? 
If you just think about your ordinary conversations, oftentimes we can just start talking about us, who we are, what we have going on during the day, what we've accomplished. Would you be able to talk about God in this same way, just rattling, rattling off who God is, what he's done for you, what he's done in the scriptures. I think it's a convicting thing uh, to think about how, how easy and even how much we talk about ourselves compared to God. So Psalm 139 is a whole psalm that is, is proclaiming God. It's about him and not David. It's about God and not us. And now we find this specifically in our verse, verse 14 of Psalm 139 as we consider who is given praise. So we began thinking about how it is also all natural for us to praise ourselves. Okay? It's something that we look to for, for praise from others. We, we crave the praise of others. We long for the praise of others. Even as I said, we're sly in the ways that we try to get it. And that is what this message is, is working against, this sinful tendency for things to be all about us and even more so praising, bragging about ourselves. And we find Psalm 139 verse 14 begins not with David praising himself. He's not talking about himself. He's not declaring himself, but he's praising God. I've had this up there, but Psalm 139 verse 14, this is how it begins. It says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This is really an amazing thing that David says here. Not only that David praises himself, that's, that's neat enough, as we've just talked about how often we don't do this, but I want us to really, I really want to stress from this point where we find in Psalm 139 David doing this. So as we think about just as these verses go on, and we'll look at some of them, as David is, is talking, as he's proclaiming and talking with God, where this statement, I praise you, falls within Psalm 139. So as I said earlier, our, our verse falls within the section of Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16, where, where David's proclaiming God's power in creating David. So let me read these verses for us. Verses 13 through 16 say this. And just notice kind of just the train of thought, um, where we find our verse in, in the sequence of these verses. David says this in verse 13, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. And then here's our verse, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. And then verse 15, My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. So David begins our section, I'll go back to verse 13. David begins our section, uh, the verse right before our verse, and he's talking about the fact that, that God created him. He talks about the fact that God formed him. He knitted, knitted him together in his mother's womb. He's talking about God is his designer. He, he's created him. And then if we look at verse 15, the, the verse that comes immediately after our verse David, he doesn't, he doesn't continue on talking about this creation, but he's, he's talking about the fact that while God's creating him, he saw him, God is watching over him, he's caring for him. What, what we need an ultrasound to see, God, he saw clearly, uh, up close and personal. That's what David is talking about in verse 15. And our verse comes in between these two verses. Hey, David talking about 
God's creation, God personally creating him and his care for him in his mother's womb, smack in the middle is where we come to our verse or where our verse is found in this, in this section. If you just, again, as you think about the sequence, if you think about the order, what we might have expected, we might have expected in an orderly fashion for David to have waited till the very end to praise God. He's talking about creating. He's talking about him being in his mother's womb. We might have expected him at the very end then for him to say, I praise you. But we find that David is talking about this creation, and then he speaks of worshiping God. David seems to be overcome with praise and worship of God. It's, I don't think he's doing this, but it's like he interrupts himself to bring praise and honor to God. The praise and the worship, they just well up inside of him as he thinks about his creation, as he thinks about what God has done. He just needs to praise and worship God. It just bursts forth from him to praise God for this creating act. Different, time, different times in the Pauline epistles, if we think about the New Testament, if we think about Paul's writing, different times in the Pauline epistles, we have Paul praising God in his letters. One such example that reminds me of our verse is 1 Timothy 1.17. I think I have this. Missed that one. Sorry about that. If you just listen with me, 1 Timothy 1.17, Paul is, is talking about in this passage, he's talking about his testimony, how he came how God worked in his life and saved him, and he seems to burst forth, just like David did, in praise. This is what he says in 1 Timothy 1.17. He says, To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul praises and worships God, and then moves on in his letter. He stops and praises God. So application as we began with, it's so natural for us to praise ourselves, to talk about our accomplishments, how great we think we are. But how natural is it for you to praise God? It just rolls right off our lips to praise ourselves, to talk about ourselves. Does it roll right off your lips to praise God? Thinking a little more about, about Paul, and I, I know I have this one up on the screen. Think about, a little bit more about Paul as I looked at his praise of God in his, his letters to some of the churches, the first Timothy passage, it, wasn't, it isn't uh, the only one. There's, there's several more. But Paul began his letter to the Ephesians in chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. He, he begins this letter with praise to God. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. And Paul goes on. Okay, this isn't the end of his praise, but he starts off and he says, Blessed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to, to praise God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in this section. But by saying, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he is saying, praise be to God. He's, he's worshiping him. He's worshiping God uh, in this, this section. And this is how Paul begins his letter, which made me uh, consider 
How often do we begin a conversation praising God, expressing what God has done, or praising something we have recently learned or, or been reminded of about God? And for that matter, just consider how often you even praise God in a conversation. So it's one thing to begin that way and, and just say, hey, i got to tell you what God's doing in my life. And you praise Him, you worship Him with this other person, but just consider how often do we even praise God in conversations? How often does he even come up and is it, is it praiseworthy or are, are we praising him? Are we worshiping him in our conversations? And as I considered some of Paul's praises to God, I was convicted in, in thinking about how natural it seems for Paul and even in our verse for David to praise God and further to praise God to others while it's so unnatural uh, for me. Okay, I'm quick to bring up something that would put others' eyes on me, but I'm slow to do this with God. Are you willing to acknowledge and publicly praise God? Okay, we certainly should pray, praise Him in song, should worship Him uh, together in, in this church, but even in our conversations, should be praising and worshiping God. A third point of application here as we consider this first part of Psalm 139, 14, is, as David says, I praise you, that I want to bring out is as we reflect on God and we consider truths about him, okay, that's what David's doing in this psalm, as he considers what he's done, we should be brought to praise, Okay, and what I mean by this is it just seems so natural for David. It seems to just well up within him and, and burst forth. And this should be the case to us. I'd like to bring a quote from a man named E.J. Young. He, he has probably one of the most helpful commentaries just on this chapter. Just a small book, but he, he, he writes on each verse in Psalm 139. Um, and this is his, his thought as he explains Psalm 139, verse 14, he says this, To be pitied is the man who can discourse about the greatness of God without emotion. He who knows God and loves him cannot speak of him without feeling. The greatness of his works of creation calls forth adoration and praise of the human heart. What he's pointing out here is that we, just, we can't just study God or, or learn about God, and this not affect us emotionally, how we feel, but also just that we burst forth uh, with praise. He's saying these things need to go together. He says, to be pitied is the man who can, can talk about the greatness of God without no emotion. He's just talking about facts. These, these things don't affect his heart and his life and bring forth praise. And again, I'll, I'll point us to, one, to Paul one more time. In his letter to the Romans, after 11 chapters of declaring the gospel, of declaring what God, um, concerning God and his saving of us, we find this in Romans 11:33 through 36. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Okay, in, in Romans, Paul is not just declaring uh, facts about 
God or truths about God that don't impact his heart. It's not just mere knowledge that we have in Romans or any of these letters or any of the things that are talking about God in the Bible, but these truths impacted his heart so that he was led to praise and honor and glory to God after he's declared who he is and what his works are in the previous 11 chapters. We must let David and Paul be examples to us as we read God's word daily. As, as you study it, as you dig down deep and you, you learn truths about God, as you sit under it preached and taught, as you study it for yourself and then teach others, we must bring praise and adoration to God. This cannot be mere knowledge that doesn't impact our heart to praise and to worship God. Hey, there's times, if you think about your Christian life, there's times where we can become cold and callous to what we learn about God. And in those times, let us pray that God would wake us up and bring that emotion and praise back. Let's pray that God would cause us to worship him as we learn about him, as we read our Bibles daily, as we sit under the preaching of his word. Let our prayer be that God would cause us that he would stir up our hearts so that we would burst forth with praise just like David and just like Paul are an example of. All right, so now we come to that popular section, that popular section I was talking about in the beginning, what you might or others might know this verse for. So third, we find that this is a verse not about us, but about God as we consider David speaking of his creation. If you look, look with me at Psalm 139, verse 14, he says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So this section of the verse is actually quite odd in the original Hebrew. Okay? There are two verbs in this, this section, uh, or within this section, and made, the word made in the English is actually not one of the verbs. Okay, the word made is actually not in the original Hebrew. Now, I do think the word made is uh, a good addition or, or for good reason and shows correctly that, that David is trying to bring um, or trying to connect back that he's talking about God making, God creating. He's, he's bring, and we know that from the, the rest of the context. But the two verbs that are translated um, or that the two verbs that we do find are translated into English as fearfully. Okay, that's one of the verbs. And the second one is wonderfully. The word fearfully speaks of being feared, causing dread, causing astonishment, or, or seeing something as tremendous. And the things that I believe David is referring to as he speaks of being feared or causing astonishment is he's not talking about himself, okay, that people should fear him or, or that they should be astonished by him. But rather, I believe that David is talking about the things that need to be feared uh, in God's making of him. And we know this from verse 13. That again says, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Okay, in verse 13, just to break this down a little bit, because I think it, it really brings out what David means here when he says, Fearfully, he speaks of God forming him, which speak, this word form speaks of God's creating, God's designing, God's bringing him into existence. This word form brings with it the idea of ownership, that God owns him. He has created God. God has created David, and David is his. Just like someone who designs something, they come up with an invention, okay, and they get it patented to, to show that they own their invention. They created it. It is theirs. They own it. 
That is what David, or that is what, uh, what David means by saying that God formed him. Further in verse 13, what is said to have been formed by God is his inward parts, which often this word can be translated kidneys, which I believe that, that is part is what part of what is being talked about. But further, what this word is speaking of is David is talking about God forming what causes him to be who he is. And what I mean by that is, is he's talking about how he feels, the emotions he has, his personalities, what he values. Sometimes we might refer to this as our heart, our mind, our soul, which is an amazing thing. As David says that he formed my inward parts. He's saying that God created even that. He didn't just create what is, what is physical or what we would think of as physical, bones, blood, uh, brains, mouth, ears, and in eyes, but he even created the part of us that causes to, us to think, to act as we do, to, to believe as we believe. And then the last thing is, as David talks about this creation and, and ultimately what he's referring to as being fearfully or, or fearful, is David speaks of the precision and skill and intricacy and complexity of God's making us when he says, you knitted me together in my mother's womb, which gives the picture of weaving together a, a basket. He's talking about the precision, the skill, even the complexity that was involved in God's making of us. And I, I go through verse 13 because it shows what David is referring to as he talks about being feared. He's talking about his creation, the making of David, the bringing him into existence, God's designing and then forming and shaping and growing David in his mother's womb. And he's saying as one thinks about this, this should cause astonishment. It really is an amazing thing, and, and I just took us to verse 13. I'm not skilled, I'm not um, learned in uh, the body, or I haven't gone through classes uh, to learn about the human body and how it functions. There's a lot more people that know way more than, than me that could bring this out even more. So I just brought us to verse 13 to show us uh, what it means, and, and as I said, the precision, the skill that it took for God to make the human body. So this is only half of or just a bit of bringing out the fact that our bodies and how God created them, it's really a, uh, an astonishing thing. It's, it's a tremendous thing, something that we can't fully understand or grasp. That is what David is bringing out with this word, fearfully. All who consider his making, as we consider our making, we should be awestruck. So application off of this word, fearfully, just considering this word fearfully, we see that David is certainly not saying people should be in awe of him, people should be astonished or in amazement of him, but instead they should be in awe and astonishment or astonished and amazed by the one who's created him. The process and how it exactly happened is unfathomable. As we think about uh, our lives, uh, again, as we think about our own birth or, or maybe what's even more Real to us is when we uh, find out and we hear people are pregnant. Okay, there's a lot of excitement that comes with it. The mom, the baby, the family, they're at the center of the attention, the center of the excitement. But here I think we're challenged to make sure that God is not left out of the picture. It should cause us to be amazed that God is the source of this baby as we consider someone's pregnancy. He's designed it. He's formed it. He's creating this baby in the mother's womb. We should stand in awe. We should take time to reflect and be astonished. We should praise God for the amazing work he does 
in creating all human beings. That is what we're challenged from this word faithfully or fearfully. Move to the word wonderfully. As I said, that's the second verb that is given in this uh, section. This word wonderfully speaks of something that is distinguished, something that is unusual, something that's separate, something that is different, and then further, something that is extraordinary. It seems that this word speaks of God's creating of who David is and how he's different from other people that God has created. David is unique. We're all unique. No two people are the same. As we think about application, here is where I think this verse definitely can start to lend itself to to pride, self-focused views, to to boost our self-esteem, thinking we're unique. We could easily focus on our uniquenesses, how we look, what we can do, what our personality is like, our talents, but I don't believe That's the focus. As I have up there on the screen, the focus is how God intricately made us, how God made David like no other person. It speaks of the creativity of God, that no two human beings are the same. I think that is the emphasis. That is what David is trying to bring out by showing his uniqueness, saying God is creative. That God doesn't just make us all the same, our personality is the same, or the way that we look, but we're all different. This is quite... um, an amazing accomplishment in God that David is bringing forth. And as we realize how we are different from others, what we can do that they can't, or, or what we can't do, or what they can do that we can't, or how we look or how we think, we should be led to bring praise and honor to God for his create, creative ability. Okay, even as we think about maybe comparing ourselves to others, okay, what someone can do or what they're skilled in, that we know nothing about or we can't do. Oftentimes that, times that leads to jealousy, envy. We wish we had that. But maybe another thought to go against that, those jealous thoughts is just saying, turning it into praise to God, praising him. Wow, you've made us all unique. You are so creative that this person is able to do this. You've made them in this way. And I can't. I have my own gifts and abilities. It should actually be something that we praise God Four. So as we think about this phrase, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, as I said, this word made isn't in the Hebrew, but we see certainly David is referring back to what he's already talked about and even what he's going to talk about in the verses to come. As he started out, I praise you. He's praising God for his creative act. And even just that point that David is stressing here that he was created, I think should challenge us. Just remember, we were created. The application point I just want to make as we consider just the fact, and it's a simple thought, but it's a, it's a really good reminder, is that the temptation in our lives is to give ourselves the credit for our abilities, how fast we can run, how well we did on the test, the promotion that we got, how We think we're the best looking, but our verse reminds us that it is God who is the source of all these things. He has created our bodies. He's created our legs and our feet. He's created our minds. He's created our face. So the reminder here, and maybe we could say this for the whole of our verse, but the application point I want to bring out here is the praise and the credit should go to God as we consider these things. And I'd ask you to consider how often do you give the credit to yourself 
for things God deserves the credit for. Okay, we often take the credit. Okay, we think we deserve the credit and the praise for things that really God is the one who's only deserving. Move to the fourth point as we find this verse is about God and not us as we consider David acknowledging God's work. Look, works. Look with me at Psalm 139, verse 14. It says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And now I want us to consider this phrase or the part, wonderful are your works. This word wonderful is the same um, word as wonderfully in the previous section. And here I think it is especially expressing the extraordinary things that God has done. And, and I think even, uh, I think David is, is certainly talking about this creative act, the fact that God makes human beings. But I think also he is expressing broadly the works of God. Not only his creative acts, but all of the things that God has done. He's talking about all of the, the extraordinary, the wonderful things that God has done. So application, as we consider this, how often do we declare our works as extraordinary? We talk up something we've done and accomplished, we share a victory, and here it is God's works that are on David's mind, and he declares them as extraordinary, and we need to aim at doing this more and more. Okay, we oftentimes, kind of as we've already thought about, we put forth our works, our acts, the things that we think are praiseworthy. Here it's God and his works that are on David's minds, mind that he, he declares as extraordinary, wonderful. And then our fifth and last point that we find that God is the focus and not us as we consider David's experience. As he says in Psalm 139, verse 14, I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And then the, the part that I want us to consider is my soul knows it very well. He says, wonderful are your works. And then he says, my soul knows it very well. This last phrase goes with, with the phrase right before it. David has declared God's works as wonderful. And he says, I know it very well. He's saying uh, that he has witnessed God's extraordinary Working, David is expressing how he is well acquainted with, with ama the amazing things God can do. We might ask, how so? David's referring to his creation. That is the section this verse falls within as David reflects on how God has created him, how he's formed him in his mother's womb. David can attest to God's works as he has been made by God. So application, so too, all of us here this evening have been made by God. As you use your body, and maybe especially those who are younger, while it's working properly or working how we want it to work, when it's at the peak of its abilities, remember how God is the one who has formed you. For those who are older, remember the things that you could do. God is the one who created your body so that you could do these things. So we all have been created by God and can attest to the fact that God's Works are wonderful. As I've already asked us to consider, do you? Do you? You talk about this. Can you, or do you attest to the fact that God's works are wonderful just as you think about and you talk about the fact that he has created you? But I also want to mention this evening that not only has God created us physically, but we have been created spiritually as well 
if we have believed in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. As we think about witnessing or, or being able to attest the wonderful works of God, yes, he's created us, but there's something even, even better. And I'll bring forth 2 Corinthians 5.17 to highlight this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We've experienced so many of God's works. We could, we could list them all. Okay, one of those, the focus of tonight, is the fact that he created us. He created David. He's created all of us. But the greatest of these works is being made into a new creation. That God has saved us and we have been transformed so that we believe in Jesus Christ. We desire to live for him. We strive against sin in our lives. We can say, if, if we believed in Jesus Christ, if we've been saved from our sins, we can say with David, wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. So we've considered Psalm 139, verse 14, this evening. Again, it reads, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. At, verse, at first glance, especially if we just look at that phrase, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, it seems like the focus is on us. It's used sometimes for the focus to be on us. It seems like this verse is talking about how this, this verse we can rely upon. If we take it this way, we can rely upon it to, to make us feel good. It makes us feel good about our abilities and our looks. But as we've seen tonight, this is not further, or this couldn't be further from the truth. This is a verse whose focus is God. And may this be our challenge this evening, to work at it so that God is our focus more and more, and the focus is on us less and less. Certainly David did not do this perfectly, but he's an example for us here in Psalm 139, verse 14, as we see this is a verse not about you, not about me. It's not about us this evening, but this is a verse about the one who made us. Let us close with a word of prayer. Lord, I just thank you for this text that we've considered this evening. Lord, it's, as I started out saying, this is such a uh, natural tendency, a sinful tendency that, that we think about ourselves, our, our world oftentimes revolves around us, and, and it comes out in, in how we praise ourselves. We give ourselves credit for things that you deserve. And Lord, as we uh, have been challenged from your from Psalm 139, verse 14, uh, from David's example, even from Paul's example, uh, to, to praise you, for the focus to be on you and not ourselves. Lord, I pray that you would just, uh, even as we go into this week, Lord, I pray that we would take time just to think about you, to, to open the scriptures and, and to be led to think about your attributes, who you are, even what you've done in our lives and, and the works that you've done. Uh, Lord, just help us to set aside time to do exactly this. Lord, help us to, to praise you, both in private but also in public, to praise you, uh, to, to worship you, even in our conversations. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you'd even help us to consider just the fact that you, you made us. Uh, Lord, help that to be readily on our minds. Help us to remember that we have a creator. Uh, we certainly have not created ourselves or anything else has created us, but it is you, God. And I pray that we uh, would remember that as we go throughout our lives. Lord, help us to declare your name to declare your works, and Lord, especially, I pray that we would uh, declare your gospel, the way in which you have made us into a new creation. 
transformed our lives, and I pray that we would be willing uh, to talk about that uh, to others. Lord, we just thank you for this text, for the challenge it's been, and Lord, I pray that you would convict us, uh, but also help us to live out this text. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you for joining us this evening, and you are dismissed.